TV. This is television that you watch with your third eye, and I'm R. Neville Johnston. And I'm Mary Phelan, and our program is about raising our consciousness. And tonight we're going to talk about what are your ten great advances in this life? Yeah, which is a very interesting topic. And <coughs> very few people mm -hmm. ever sit down and go, well, gee, what's, what's so different in my life mm -hmm. now? Because it's not the same. Mm -hmm. <coughs> and today in Mayan is? <coughs> For Muluk, and Muluk is my guide tribe. It's the tribe of universal water. And so Muluk are really experts about emotion and the psychic realms. Mm -hmm. And it's guided by your guide tribe, which is Chachan, yeah. which is the feathered serpent, the highest of the high, low of the low. So they make great leaders because they can see both sides of things. Yes. And it's a self-existing day, which is also my tone. Mm -hmm. And that's the I can do it myself tone, as I call it. Definitely. Independent. Okay. And I define in order to purify measuring flow, I seal the process of universal water with a self-existing tone of form. And uh, that's a code, yeah, we're always translating codes in our life, ciphers all over the place. And so that is a description of today. And defining in order to purify is a very realistic thing about the day today, mm. assuming it is March 3rd, 2011. That makes a lot of sense, too. Yeah, yeah, there's been a lot of purification mm. going on. Uh, perhaps your dream time was full of that sort of thing, the uh, dreams. Uh, signals from, yes. uh, and we love to believe it was the other side, actually, if there, there was going to be a, an other side, this would be the other side, because we're, we're <laughs> yes. much more soul than we are body, but that's, that's on my list of things I've figured out. I'm, I'm a soul, not a body. Mm -hmm. It looks like a body, it feels like a body, it acts like a body. You're not a body really that has a soul, a soul. You're, you're a yeah. soul that has a body. Yeah, a very different way to see. And, that's what we're talking about on tonight's show, um, building a muscle that will allow you to relanguage in an experience, if, if nothing else other than to relanguage it in different words, and you'll gain a greater perspective on it. So if um, someone fell down, you could say, gravity one, you know, um, person zero. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, you know, just so the idea of getting part of your brain to translate the event into a number of different descriptions of it. Yeah, that's so and helpful. It is. It's amazing because then you get, you automatically download a different perspective on the event by changing the words you think of it in, mm -hmm. which is all the language codes book, that, that, that concept. But um, so what, oh, we made great lists of things to discuss. Well, no, I did not. But oh, I did. I'm sure there are lists somewhere. But I think that we all make these, make these different discoveries that help us to become more advanced. And one of the things, and I don't know if you were planning on talking about this or not, but in the past life workshop that we've done together and you've mm -hmm. done, we've done together for years and you've done prior to that for many years, yeah. um, probably 40 years, close to it at least. I'm up on um, 40 years that people you're in You're one of the original life. past life people. Yeah. Well, in that, one of the things you always ask about the life lesson for that life, and that's something that when people are exploring their past lives, they say, they know automatically, mm -hmm. like inherently, they, they open up and, and say, oh, it was about compassion, it was about such and such. And this is a very similar type thing, 
after a while we make a series of discoveries about ourselves and about the nature of reality, all realities, and it leads us to say, what is our life lesson? Yeah. And I, I find that that's very useful. And if people wanted to, they could ask themselves that question right now and then listen to the first thing that they hear. Yes, yeah, silence your mind mm -hmm. and then just what pops into it will be a version of a translatable, if not already translated, uh, input as to what it would be. Yeah. I took, um, many, many years ago, I took a um, CIA person uh, into past lives, which was to be on the hush and hush. It was that long ago, you know, that I was, was told not to say anything. But it's been that much time. And I took him back to the Renaissance, hmm. and I asked him, what was your life's lesson? And he said, to remember how to paint because he was an artist at that time. Ah. And as it unfolded, he was painting uh, this wife of somebody or other, and it got, what is the word for that, involved, and cost him his life. So by the end of the session, it was when, you know, when to act and when not to act on passion was the translated. But it was clearly a life spent with the idea of remembering how to paint, because I've done that in this life. Painting is a very, um, you know, the musicians use tone and that excites and artists use color and that has that same exciting, uh, your tarot cards, the colors uh, evoke response in people. It's just like an orchestra, mm -hmm. orchestration. Mm -hmm. But it is true. I, I, I would say that's, and I, you've probably found this too, but it's one of the most common questions that I hear from people and, and that's what is my life lesson? What am I here to do? Mm -hmm. We all know that we feel some kind of a longing or a calling, but then we have to define it with our intellect instead of through our heart and through our experience. And so that can be very clear for some people, like Mozart, but not as clear for other people because it's not a thing that you came here to do. It's not music or to paint. It's not an action that you came here to experience but a feeling, maybe a series of feelings. Maybe it's, you came here to experience a deductive type of a feeling, like, mm -hmm. oh. Uh, for instance, I was um, thinking about this myself, and I remember as a small child, loving my doll so much, I would cry. My mother would say, why are you crying? I thought you wanted this doll. And I said, but I love her so much. It makes me cry, I love her that much. And I, I think that that's one of my life experiences, is to know when, and, and this is something that I teach to other people, is when love is no longer feeling good, um, that means that you've gone out of the realm of lo that love because love always feels good and that helps you define a line. So one could say that was my great discovery is that love always feels good. And so if we're forcing ourselves to fit into a, a square peg in a round hole or like in Cinderella, forcing ourselves into a slipper that doesn't really fit us, it starts not feeling good. And so that's not the direction that we're really being pulled in. Many souls go through a series of lifetimes where love has been uh, an enormous source of pain for them. And then they incarnate very unwilling to be loving. And uh, some souls turn to narcissism, self-love, as being a safe love, you know, for themselves. But that's not self-love, though. But go ahead. Um, okay, so many of these people that have been hurt and loved so many times come very unwilling to 
provide their half of the equation as far as love goes with others. Uh, and they will tend to shut down all forms of... Well, I've seen many of those. Yeah, yeah, love in their life. So that soul in particular could have an enormous breakthrough just to understand that it's okay to be loving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and the byproduct of that is the uh, disenfranchisement, the um, abandonment of emotions. And so these people will often have very low blood pressure and will... Um, turn down suitor after suitor after suitor without even knowing they have suitors. It's an interesting game to play. Yeah, there's also the flip side to that withholding feelings and having high blood pressure. So I think they both directions that can yeah. go in. Lower it high blood pressure version. It just depends on the, the cause behind it. Yeah. And it's interesting that you brought up narcissism because I, I before we move past that, I would like to say something about that is I really don't think it's self-love. A lot of people think, oh, it's they're obsessed with themselves, they love themselves. It's just that they're so afraid of being hurt that the only person that they can trust is themselves. Yeah, that's what I was saying. But then they don't really trust themselves, so it's really a matter of lack of self-trust makes them not venture out and trust others. Because when we trust ourselves, we'll trust everyone else. Because what we distrust in others is what we distrust in ourselves. And I've never seen a narcissist that's truly happy anyway. It's, it's just a, uh, a turret castle prison of them. And it's not really uh, I have a whole slew else. of other correct answers on all of that. So. But let's go on to um, uh, one of the great things that has occurred to me in the, the flight path through here is that there's more than one correct answer to things. No, there isn't. Yeah, see. <laughs> see, that's a correct answer. Yeah, that's true, too. That is a yeah. correct answer and not the only correct answer. I agree. So once I got enough freedom in my spirit to say, well, that's correct, and that's correct, and that's correct, and now the question is, which one will I choose if I have to act on it? Mm -hmm. Okay. That's very liberating because uh, we we're in this battle between right and wrong our entire lifetime on for... Um, and, and it's all pre-judgment. You have this idea of right and wrong, and you just superimpose that over your reality, going that's wrong and that's right and that's wrong and that's right, none of which is even valid thinking, not, not to the least bit of logic. Right, you know, it right. Is, I, it I is agree. So that it is correct. Now the question is, what does it do? And that's kind of what we're asking on this program. You know, What revelations have you had? Can you name an epiphany, who is a Greek, by the way, epiphany? Epiphany, I believe, yeah, one of the Greek gods, Epiphius, I think he was called originally, oh. and, uh, and his wife, Epiphia. That's the pesky little guy. Yeah, huh? yeah. But uh, these breakthroughs in thinking where we've had the same pattern repeat 156 times in the last few weeks, ah, I get it. That's what we're talking about as breakthroughs, as progress, as um, whatever accomplishment, whatever word we're using to uh, come to your own thinking about this and um, what for you as an individual was a breakthrough. This is what we're asking. If each of us could just get to the point of what is one recognizable pattern in our life, okay, and, uh, but more than that, not just the pattern, how does one obviate, how does one get the pattern to stop repeating itself? And that's a spiritual breakthrough. That's what we're talking about. And what's so funny? No, no. Uh, 
No. Because we I have was, jokes. I, I was can, thinking of a joke, but I was letting you. Another joke from before? And then. No, no. That was a really funny joke. That was an awful joke. <laughs> so you know how funny it is, right? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Yeah, good. Never. It was a disturbing joke. Well, good. That means it was good. No, I was thinking of an actually funny joke. Well, you were talking Did you about want to patterns. Tell the joke? Yeah, no, I don't. Yeah. I, I was off camera and I wasn't even laughing or anything. You were so smiling. Quit climbing in my mind and exposing. Oh, it to that's the world. it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, interestingly enough. Okay. Well, oh, are you going to say something? Go ahead. You have a. Well, I was just going to say um, I would invite the audience to call in and maybe discuss some of their great discoveries or advances in life, and. The precursor to these great understandings are great decisions, too. So if you'd like, call in with your 10 greatest decisions. And I don't mean greatest in, oh, these were the best. Sometimes the biggest, maybe the biggest, most profound decisions that changed and altered not only your course in life, but how you felt about life. Sometimes the great decision to go to this college as opposed to that, or to marry this person instead of staying single, will redirect the whole course of your life. And you can look back over your life. And even if you take the 10 largest decisions that you made, and I don't mean that the decision was large, but maybe the effect of the decisions, you can see a map of your life. When you see that map and you pan up and look at it from a higher place, you can see that this is what you came here to do. Because those decisions aren't arbitrary. They're not accidental. And it's not accidental that we're involved in this bad, quote unquote, relationship we're in, or a good one. There's some reason. And when you look at it objectively, or at least from a higher perspective, you can see what you came here to do. Like, oh, yes, I've always been moving toward living at the coast and being an artist. Well, that's what you came here to do. Oh, yeah, very definitely. And sometimes it's the smallest things, things we would never really remember uh, that have such a profound and unfolding effect on ourselves. Like just that you admired a flower, never spoke to anyone, never anything else. It just caught the beauty in that flower for a moment. It was an interdimensional door and you went through that door and experienced another reality all from the colors and the smells and actually the sound that the flower was making. And, and you drank this in, but you don't remember. It was not really in your conscious mind. It was really this access point to a, a much larger version of yourself. Yeah, that's what and it's sometimes interreactions with people like that that happens. Like you were, I can remember being in college and this guy who was very badly crippled got on the, uh, the bus that I was on. And I just made eye contact to tell him that it was, you know, congratulations mm -hmm. on the, the great feat that you have done mm -hmm. to incarnate in such a body as that, but he misinterpreted it me, but I still felt great compassion for the other person. But that, that just happened to fly through my mind at that moment. Well, well there's a couple remember. things that you're mentioning. One is that little events can, it's like plucking a string. It's real small here, but if you go down the string, it's really vibrating quite, quite massively. Well, we do make these small decisions that change the course of our life. And we also make great impact on other people by that same token, which is, I believe, what you're saying about getting on the bus. Everything we do, whether we look someone in the eye when they're talking to us, yeah. or we look away, 
or we walk away from someone, or we stand by them and help them pick up the groceries that they've dropped on the ground. Yeah, yeah. All of those things, everything we do makes an impact. I remember years ago, my kids were little, and we were driving through a drive-through, and the person on the other side was in a bad mood, obviously, and she was really rude, and she just threw the change, and it dropped on the ground, and she slammed the window, like I had done something really horrible to her by going in and patronizing that place. And it made me really mad. And so I took the, the food. It hurt, really. And I took the food and I just handed it back to my kids. I said, here, don't drop it. And I said, what? I just snapped at them for something she did to me. So I realized that when we're angry or we're in pain or when we feel guilty or any of these emotions that really are blocking love, that what we do is like a box and we walk around looking for somebody to hand them to and we make a big impact. And so I was telling my kids how much every little drop in the water, those ripples do affect us and other people in our lives and watch for that because you can make a difference by doing one kind thing even if you don't see the results immediately. Just know that you do. And um, another point about the accomplishment that we create in our life. Uh, someone was talking to me about um, how mean people were, you know, having a, a deleterious effect. And I said, no, no, no. You have to see mean people as a lot of fun. And this, of course, stopped and puzzled the person. So I was saying, well, the only literary reference I have to it off the top of my head was uh, Keith Ledger as... Um, Joker up against Batman, the Dark Knight, that particular episode, where Batman is interrogating the Joker. And the, the Batman opens with slamming the Joker's head into the table. And the Joker immediately says, oh, no, you don't want to start with the head when you're interrogating someone. OK, now from that moment on, the Joker owned Batman. He owned him a lot earlier than that. But the Joker explained that uh, the Batman would have to break his rule in order to get the Joker. Okay, So the mean person would have to break their rule in order to get you. In other words, if you don't regard them as anything other than somebody who's upset about something that happened 20 years ago and they're just acting it out, they would have to and I lost my own point, which I do once in a while. I used to have a point. I Here's sharpened a point it sharpener over there. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, so the idea of seeing the, the mean person having these rules that they have to be mean, and you having the rule that they can't get to you, okay? Again, it's in there somewhere. And if anyone figures that out, please do give us a call. Because <laughs> I know it's in there. It was the idea of... Um, breaking rules in order to be real about things. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Because the Joker, despite himself, had rules. But well, I, everybody has rules. And, and yeah. that's another thing is we walk around with these on our back and we get mad at other people because they don't follow our rules. Mm. And yeah. most of the time, we don't even know what those rules are. Now, we have society's rules, which we call etiquette and politeness. And we have those, and we think, okay, these are things that are commonly held and, and that uh, we should know this. I remember years ago when I worked in a restaurant, somebody uh, came in 
uh, and ask where the men's room was or the payphone or something, and I had a tray in this hand. I said, it's over there. And he got very upset and threw me against the wall by my throat because I pointed with my left hand. Now you see, in his world and in his system of rules, pointing with the left hand is yeah. disrespectful or something. I didn't know. I never heard that. So it was obviously not an intention for me to insult the person, but he was walking with his set of rules. Now my set of rules said, I never was told that pointing with my left or right is anything. So mm -hmm. how would I know? And that is, is an exaggerated example of what we do every day when we get mad at people. We have a rule, often, most of the time, it's some subtle rule that they don't have any idea about that we're assuming, well, everybody knows that you're supposed to take three steps forward, one step to the side on Tuesdays when the sun is overhead. And we assume that everybody knows this. And so then we get our feelings hurt, we take it personally, and we go through a great deal of pain over this when it's really not that. Well, the very the attribute of the very advanced civilization and the very advanced soul is um, adaptability. The easier it is that you can adapt to any situation, uh, the more evolved you are. It's just plain math, the more et cetera. So uh, again, that is the concept of being able to um, not play by rules, not you know, being so flexible being so open, evolution and adaptation are the same thing. Advancement and adaptation are the same thing. So the adapting to where, wherever it is you are is this um, well, yeah, signature adaptation really is being able to let go of your rules. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and after a certain point in time, you're letting go of your rules, not from the perspective of that you're giving in or you're selling out your rules. Because it's not a matter of letting your own principles go. You can still have them and uphold them in your life, but you just can't enforce them with everyone. We're not really here to enforce anything with anyone. As much as we'd like to, we can't. We can't really. And another one I would put on my list of uh, breakthroughs that I've had in this lifetime was the thought creates where you place your attention grows is um, just the most remarkably smooth thing all the way around. It is a matter of where you are placing your attention. That's it. That's what's going on. The, this, if there were a singularity, and that is a correct answer, the one thing you're paying attention to is where and how your attention is placed. That, yep. that is Yeah, that is the thing. Because whenever it is you're upset, your attention has been misplaced. Guaranteed. If, if anything is upsetting you, it's because you're looking at not, you're looking at things you don't have to look at or you wouldn't be upset because we didn't come here to be upset. We came here to evolve and apparently we have to be upset in order to evolve because we have to keep doing this till it annoys us to the point that we evolve rather than well, repeat the pattern. I decide that we don't have to be upset all the time to evolve because you don't. Yeah, well, no, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So it is just a matter of paying attention to where your attention is placed. What condition attention my twice. attention yeah. was in? There we go. Was in. So that, that's been an amazing breakthrough, which has given um, a very well, good... Um, it's a good breakthrough just to know that we have power to move our attention. I mean, that's yes. a huge thing. Yeah, absolutely. 
took me a year to get that to start to work. And now having had that for I don't know how many years, the idea of paying attention to where I place attention, I've been able to do a very good job of turning off monkey chatter. You know how, um, I don't know, last night I was arguing with Charlie Sheen. <laughs> and I have no idea why that is. I was but, hearing something go, oh, 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 in there. Yeah, and I just, said, I just shut it off just like that because it wasn't worthy of my attention. And therefore, I knew it was fear-oriented. And therefore, I knew a or number boring. of other things about it, which is another form of that, yeah, that it is not worthy of your attention. So all of the monkey chatter in our brain is, are things that are not worthy of our attention or we're doing some kind of a thought efficiency quotient where we, we ought to go ice the cake, but we're falling asleep now, so let's not think about icing the cake or whatever. You know, that might be change the oil in the car, whatever that is, because you're not doing that now, so your, your well, attention is not that, serving you where it's placed. Something about that thought efficiency quotient. Um, years ago, uh, I believe you, I've read it to you many times, uh, the... Um, automatic writing about how every time that we have a thought to do something, like to ice the cake or to get up out of the chair and go let the dog out or whatever it is, every time we think about it and don't do it, or every time we do do it, um, when we think about it, these microfine electrical impulses go to every muscle that would be involved in doing that action. And so if we think about it, we got that energy going and then we don't do it, and so then we have that product of those jittery things just ricocheting through our body. So then we think about it again and again, and then we combine that with the guilt. And then it makes it even more difficult to get up and do it because all of our energy is drained in this thought of doing it. And the charge, the electrical charge, actually stays in your muscles. And so we get sometimes restless when we go to sleep in our muscles. It's like, you know, where you just have to keep tossing and turning. So it really is even more important than just efficiency. It's, it's important for your health not to chronically think about things that you're not able to do or willing to do or ready to do. Or and out wait of time, until, like when we yeah, get home, we'll do this. That's what I mean. Yeah, exactly. So that's a very good one now to filter out of your thoughts. Yeah, the thought efficiency quotient becomes prohibitive. I agree. Well, I'm talking more from the lines. I mean, there is the differentiate. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I just hadn't finished yet, but go ahead. Oh, uh, pardon me. Uh, no, finish then. I don't want to. Uh, well, the, the idea, I, I wanted to make the distinction between planning and the action. And the difference is in planning, saying, well, when I get home, I'm going to do this, this, and this, in a more airspace, like an intellectual space, to make it more efficient when you get home. I'm not saying to stop doing that. It's when you think about it and you don't want to do something. And so there's a part of you holding you back and another part pushing you forward. And that's when you get into a lot of this confusion. Because if you think about doing the dishes when you get home and you go do the dishes, that's a whole different thing than, oh, I got to get up and mow the lawn. I don't want to mow the lawn. I got to get up yeah. and mow the lawn. Well, self-discipline self-love. And, and that's very guilt. definitely. What we human beings, um, most of us, do not have is the ability to uh, stop button. We don't have, you know, the thing, that's what I was saying about falling asleep and talking to Charlie Sheen, and then I decided I didn't want to do that anymore. And this ability to stop, we don't, because the subconscious is very undisciplined 
in many of us here on the planet, and it'll just keep feeding that thing through till we get to the point where we um, uh, become evolved enough, become educated enough to actually be able to say no, and I won't be thinking about that. I'm going to go on to something else to think about. And then the question, and that's what tonight's show is about, what else would you think about? And uh, so we've been proposing, think about uh, the progress you have made in this lifetime. What is progress for you? There's um, uh, um, so part of what I've been able to get across to me is the idea that everything that happens is a form of love, which makes it easier to understand. So like the person that yells at us is actually being loving towards us because when you, uh, whatever happens in front of a small child, the small child reviews that and incorporates it as love. So if one parent is yelling at the other parent in, in front of the child or even more programming for the child, they go into the other room to yell at each other and then the kid has to listen. Oh yeah, they're yelling at each other. That means that they're loving each other. That's the way the child, and so the child grows up to yell at people. Now once you recognize that as love, then you're bigger than them. Then it's, oh, you know, oh, you're yelling. Oh, you're really, you know, and it's, in a way it's fear, and yes, that is a correct answer. And another correct answer is they're being loving. That's what loving looks like to them. This yelling is they're being loving. And once you uh, can get that in the top of your mind instead of in your unconscious mind, you're bigger than them. Thank you for yelling at me. I realize this is you being loving because that's what it is. You know, German army notwithstanding, but you know, that sort of thing. Nothing to do with anyone German or anything like that. Just the idea of the bully. The bully, there's an easier one. The bully yelling. Any army. <laughs> yeah, any army. Yeah, uh. in that sense. So what the child perceives as love is the way the adult acts out love. And if that can remain in the top of your mind to understand. See, normally when we're yelled at, we run into some sort of a retreating state and submit and acquiesce and whatever word you want to stick in there. But if we recognize that person is being loving by doing that, then we can just, we can right past them. They never saw it coming. They never saw us going. They're still there in the, in the anger and the rage. And we have our phone call. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hello? Hi. What can we do for you? What's your name? Um, uh, my name is, is Maylene Jergens, and I actually met you once. Oh, at, yeah. At, uh, at the gro Safeway grocery store. Oh, hi. Welcome hi. to the show. And I was telling you about my son being in some trouble back in the South, uh -huh. and the long and short is... Um, uh, kind of a bully lived on the street and he came to pay my son a visit my son's 50 years old so he's past uh, fighting and all that kind of stuff but this guy is uh, really 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 on drugs he uh, has done so many horrible things his own grandmother has his own restrict, uh, restraining order and uh, he uh, long story short somebody called the cops and uh, my son got carried to the jail he got, um, the other guy drove himself to the hospital, and 
the judge last week met and said because Wayne took his um, took the law into his own hand, own hands. He didn't have a phone book. That he he's going to throw the book at him, and the book is quite large. It's eight over eight thousand dollars, and um, almost all of that is restitution fee for this guy who really actually wasn't hurt, and um, uh, the other is court fee. Now, as a mother, I am doing my best to process this as a person who has called me, my son, and said, you know, do you, ha do you have any way of helping me get some money to pay this? Because if he misses one month, he goes straight to jail. I live with my Social Security. It's, I don't have it. But yet my heart just won't shut down as to what I can do. What keeps coming to me, there is a problem for every answer. Seek you the problem, the answer. Seek you the problem, the answer for this problem. Okay, well this what is... Would you, what would your thoughts be? Well, this is a relationship your son Wayne and this man has had uh, for many, many lifetimes. This is not at all the first time that this sort of dance has been danced. And um, the freedom of it, did you want to... Um, Okay. Um, Wayne, and what's the other guy's name? Thomas. Rather, pardon me? Thomas. Thomas, okay. Wayne and Thomas have been dancing back and forth for many, many lifetimes. This one did not involve death. This one involved um, court settlement. But they've been dancing back and forth. Um, wow. When I was shot to death and went on the other side and uh, met with the man that shot me, I was very surprised because when I saw the scene, the, the man that shot me and I were on, um, at a table signing a contract. Um, and the guy says to me, you know, when you're 27, I'm going to blow your head off. And I said, yes, you will. And I signed the contract. And mm -hmm. I love that man for shooting me because it was my idea. They had first shown me 50 lifetimes where we killed each other. I killed him, he killed me, I killed him, he so killed me. So you were aware that you wanted him to shoot you, shoot you? Yes, I... Not at the time, not until he did it. Not, not until I came back and... No, as I was being shot, I was unaware of that. I had to go on the other side to become aware of the dance this other soul and I were in. Now, ah. this other soul agreed to the slime that we create if we kill another human being. And then I woke up in the hospital able to see people in past lives. So this man covered himself in gunk in order to allow me to have to say hi to you on TV this oh evening. Oh, my word. Right, okay. So the more we want to hate it, the more it's going to recreate it. So the more these two want to hate each other, the more this stuff goes round and round and round. So You know, I don't hear so much hate now into the week's that are have been behind it. Now it's especially with my son. How can I work enough to pay um, five six hundred dollars to the court, along with my other bills that I was already paying? And um, the judges there are very very strict. And, yeah. Um, 
Okay, you know, so so there is a practical side to this. We know the karma. I, I believe in all the karma. I believe in all the spiritual things. I always have. I was taught by an Indian grandmother who mm -hmm. uh, everybody, I guess, thought I was crazy when I was growing up. But I, I really a lot of believe us have that in for common. every for every problem there is an answer. But right. Now, the idea of solving this on spirit level is likely to solve it in physical level, if that makes sense? Yes, it does. Okay, so once the, um, your son Wayne can forgive this person, but not the word forgive, actually love the other person because this was an agreement between the two of them, and it was an agreement to a spiritual advance. Okay. Okay. And See, the other soul, we were magnetically attracted to each other lifetime after lifetime after lifetime because of the agreement to this game played. But once I loved the soul for having accommodated me by killing me, there's no longer the attraction there. Okay. okay. Again, on the practical side, what should he do next, my son? Okay, is to recognize the whole thing as his own as his creation, as his... See, we'd love to believe that things are loud in the world, but there's nothing that's actually that loud. Uh, things are just turned up to the level necessary for us to get our attention. In other words, when right. I was shot in the head, that was pretty loud. Uh, that was wild, yeah. That was loud, okay. It took that much to get my attention. For me well, to... Well, and in this case, to get your attention is... Um, to recognize that this was my idea, the shooting was my idea. Yeah, it, um, for you. And of course, thank goodness there was no shooting in this. It was just. That's what I'm saying. This is the lifetime where it's being settled right. by third party arbitration. That is and a remarkably the, calm field compared to when it was very jagged in past lives. And in the, like I say, in the, in the physical. We have to come up with $800, or he does it, he owns the problem, but um, he has to come up with his uh, money every month, and, um, you know, he's trying to take on a second job, and he's trying to do this and that and the other. So there is a uh, practical aspect that exists day by day yeah. uh, until he can find, I don't know where Thomas is right now, um, but they'll meet again. And maybe this um, well, can the, take place. Uh, you know that what you're telling the advice you're giving me, I'm certainly going to pass on, and can, he can take place. And in the meantime, we have to um, try to get up the money. And that's the next question. Um, most of the spiritual leaders okay. that I have known have. Um, um, I don't well, know. I, don't I tell like you to call what. Um, I, I know that we've got another call on hold. Um, one thing, advice here about the money situation that I would offer is that as long as we hate paying that back, as long as we feel that it's unfair or that it's too much or that we don't deserve it or um, whatever, then it's going to be more difficult to acquire the money. One thing you could suggest is have him pretend, because I know he may not be able to consciously, but just pretend that he, this is his great honor to pay this $8,000 or whatever it is. And I guarantee you it will come and it will be funded. 
because whatever we dislike or, or hate doing, it won't be funded by the universe, to. and it'll be harder. So, well, thank okay. you. Thank you. Yeah, we, and, we and will, feel free to call bless, us. We will bless the payment. Excellent. Yeah, that's a great, that's great principle. idea. And guess yeah. what? You'll get it back. As, so, as it's on its way. Very well done. Excellent. And um, um, yeah, I, well, I thank called you. you. Yeah, thank you. Oh, are you still there? I think oh, we lost the call. Yeah, do, hey, do call us. Um, we can get more into the phone call, too, offline. Like yeah. you can call us at the regular number, the 2333 number, and then we can talk more because I think the call dropped. Yeah, so, 703-860-2333. Oh. Uh, okay. We'll give you the opportunity, and we can talk more about this at another time. Excellent. But, well, so, thank you for calling. Yeah. I really appreciate it. And that it. was very well done to regard that as such an honor. Uh, first of all, That's that could have been the funeral expenses if this had been another reality, and that was just a tick out of uh, time. Well, I know a lot of people have difficulty paying their bills, but for years, I would be just so happy if I made the money every month to write the bills out, and I made it just this wonderful thing where I sat and I paid the bills. I had such a great sense of satisfaction. I didn't look at it as, oh, I'm giving somebody my money. No, I, I was purchasing or exchanging something for these things, my home, my electricity, and yeah, I appreciated it. And guess what? No matter how little I made, no matter how much I had to work, I always was able to pay my bills, and I was always grateful for it. So it's good advice just in general, too. That was excellent, do, yeah. Do we yeah. have a... Thank you we, very much for the drop? phone call. Okay. That was very... Okay. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate that greatly and would love to hear from other yeah. people with other because things. Because you can't handle money problems mathematically. You never could and you never will. It's not a mathematical thing. It seems like it is. It seems like it's, well, I make $8 an hour times 40 hours a week minus 26%. This is how much money I have and this is how much I have to spend. There, there was once a time my day job was just enough to pay my rent and my other job was for, my part-time job was for everything else, the other 20 mm -hmm. hours, 25 hours, or 30 hours, depending. And, and I still didn't have enough, and I would compute. Even if I didn't buy groceries, I was short. And so I started examining my beliefs about money, and it's amazing how much we pick up from our parents and from the world around us that it's not good to have a lot of money, that somehow you're evil, a fat man, and the, the camel fitting through the eye of a needle and that whole thing yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And I, I realized that I had to adjust my beliefs. And so I did. I worked on that for a couple of years back in the 80s. And then I found immediately that I was able to pay my bills, even though my income and my bills did not so change mathematically. You're saying it's easier to fit a camel through the eye of a needle. Yes, in the Bible it says it's easier so. yeah. for you fit a camel through the eye of a needle. What did I say? An eye through a camel? <laughs> No, no. I don't know the quote from the Bible. I was saying the quote. It's easier oh. for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle than to a rich man to get into heaven. Oh, and I'm, I'm I just thought it was the other way around. It's easier for a rich man to get in heaven than an eye. That's more true. Yeah, either <laughs> for a camel to get into heaven. Camels go to heaven. To we all go to heaven because there's no such place as hell. Yeah. I hate to disillusion everyone. There's no hell. Give up on it. There's no horror movie waiting no, you at the end of your life. The, that happened in Halloween 2 and Friday the 13th. That's a, it's all a construct the dark of the ages. human mind. Yeah, yeah, and, and we're still in that habit. Okay, which we, we're, we're hearing quacks. We're hearing quacks. So quacks. here come the ducks. Here come the quackers. Okay. And there's our duck dangler. 
All right, resilience. Now, one thing about resilience is you have to believe that you're resilient, and we infinitely are. We can live even if our bodies don't, so what did you get? Uh, both intention and love, which are very interesting I words to, to pair in that, uh, yeah, I intend to love. And uh, what one does not have to intend, the love is the given. That's the whole thing. Uh, I mm -hmm. suppose if there is one thing to uh, uh, give as a gift to humanity, it would be the idea that everything is love. That love is power, love is evolution, love is everything. There is nothing that's not love. And it is a matter, the more you can recognize it as love, the more the phone rings. So. Well, re real quick oh, before yes. we take the call, I mm -hmm. just wanted to mention that we're having our potluck on the 12th of this month. Oh, that's Our good. fire ceremony, more about it on the web. And mm -hmm. on the 14th, I'm starting a, an intuitive smorgasbord, uh, a three Monday night class on devel developing telepathy, clairvoyance, color audience, our intuition, and introduction to mediumship. Mm -hmm. And these are just light uh, courses that are fun and people can participate in. And um, we're doing Sekim later in the month. Uh -huh. and, uh, that sticks and Stones, we'll both yes. be teaching at Sticks and I'll Stones. I'll be at Sticks and Stones starting my Psychic Development Part 1 series. And I'll be there starting something. I still haven't figured out what. On the 18th. So please mm -hmm. check it out. I'll be there the third Friday of every month. And it'll be fun. Come out and see me there if you can't come to Reston. Uh, Fairfax is a lot closer for most. So. For a lot of people, yeah. Okay, so hello way. caller. What's your name? Hi, I'm Olivia. Hi. Hi, I'm so excited to be talking with you guys. You guys do such Aww. a great job, and you always have the most timely issues, so thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I would just like a general reading. Okay, be most happy to. Got my glittery cards tonight, mm -hmm. so that's good. And we want to thank you for calling in. We love to hear from uh, people. We do, indeed. Always so oh, and as a matter of fact, show. in a few weeks, we're going to do an all-reading show in palmistry, too. So if people would like to send in palm prints, we can do that. Mm -hmm. Okay, the first card we get is a card that's known as the triumph card. It's, it's succeeding. It's um, being on top of your game and really feeling like you're getting somewhere. And then, ooh, look at this. And then this is a celebration of sorts. So it's talking about hard work and a success of one nature leading into a success of another nature and to keep those things going. Often, if you think about it, when we're successful at something, we think, oh, I'm starting here, I become successful, and then what? And a lot of times people think, well, I don't know what to do next. I guess I'll, after I go to Disneyland, then it's back to the bottom of the hill and I gotta start up again. And one of the things that this is saying is that you've really got it that you don't have to go down to go up. You can just be there and you can even look back and, and find wonderful things going on. Look at all these wands. Oh, no, I thought that was a wand. It's a, it's a sword, but you did get two wands, which are action cards. It's about acting like you know that you have power to dictate your reality instead of it you. Now, this card is about uh, the swords represent thoughts in the tarot deck. And this lady is standing on land and water both. And so it's often referencing being caught between the mind and the heart. And I feel your heart led you to all those wonderful emotional and passionate experiences. 
And now your head's starting to get in there and saying, mm, dare I take it one step further? Dare I hope for, for more in my life? And it's saying, yes, take the, take the blindfold off and look at everything there and don't be afraid to reach out for it. So thank you. Mm -hmm. And we have our next caller. Hi, caller, what's your name? Hi, this is Julie. And uh, my birthday is uh, Monday, and I'd like a reading from Mary, please. Oh, oh I'd be most birthday. happy to. Much, yes, very happy birthday. And many, many more of those celebrations. Oh, look at this card. These are the glitter cards, and so I don't know if you can see that at home, but it's really quite lovely. If you see this man, he's standing, looking at his kingdom from a very powerful perspective, looking out over his emotions and how he feels about things as reflected in the idea of the water and the ocean that he's looking at. But he's standing with his action in his hand. And I feel that this is telling you that it's important to act on what you feel and to take command of what you feel and allow that to be your uh, guide rather than, than your intellect. But yet when you go and act on your feelings, sometimes they, like these swords, which are thoughts, stop you. The Ten of Swords is a, a time, a completion, where the, the bad times, the hard times, whatever we call them, are on their way out. And it's time to step up and not let people walk all over you and not walk all over yourself with your own self-defeating thoughts, which we all have. So it's a time of healing those. And the Four of Swords is a wonderful card. It's one of my favorites in the deck. It's about taking a time out and really lay down and let your guides come and give you information and guidance on things. And maybe let your heart speak, but then you reflect upon what it's saying. And there's a beautiful stained glass above him. And I, I always see that as our beliefs, our, our spirituality, that like laying underneath of it and letting it yes. influence us with its light. And if our caller's birthday is Monday, she will be becoming an eight bin in the progressed Oh, so she's film. in our spiral. Yeah, that's true, too, at the eighth tone, which is all very interesting. Wonderful. So this year will be about Wonderful. quite a bit of exploration of possibilities, mm -hmm. and it will be the crusader. Of ben is it definitely a crusader tribe. Crusader rabbit tribe. <laughs> well, bunnies notwithstanding, but the basic idea that... Uh, Money? Bunnies. Bunnies, oh. Bunnies notwithstanding. Okay. I believe we have another call, too. Yeah. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? How you doing? This is Neil. Neil. Hi, Neil. How are you? Wonderful, wonderful. How are you guys doing? Great, thanks. Um, I was calling. I wanted to make a statement about uh, how powerful the Mayan is. Um, I was just having a turbulent last two weeks, and then all of a sudden I had a breakthrough on, like, Monday. Mm. And I was like, let me check my Mayan to see if anything happened. And when I found out we hit the it new did. wave, you know, it just automatically just, it clicked and made so much sense. Yeah. It's fun somehow when you could look at it after the fact, you're like, that's exactly what I did do that day. Yeah. And it, it tripped me out. And the reason why I called is because I thought about it by watching you guys, uh, the YouTube and stuff, and I decided to just check it. So I wanted to thank you for that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. It is well, wonderful. Uh, about the Mayan, uh, you program each wave spell. We've been doing this for countless years. We programmed one wave spell that we were going to move the physical house. A uh, wave spell is 13 days. We were going to move Stuff everything in the we own. physical house. <laughs> and also take a seven-day vacation in this one 13-day period. And at the stroke of midnight, the last box had been moved into the new house, and we had had a week on the beach. So uh, tell 
the wave spell what it's going to be because the universe stands by waiting for us to tell it what it is and we don't recognize even slightly how much authority and sovereignty we have in our own reality. So let's go to our next caller. Hi caller, what's your name please? The next caller has been kidnapped by alien. Damn. Those aliens, they're everywhere. So we're going to be uh, at Ruby Tuesday shortly, which is in Fairfax Circle, and you can meet uh, members of the audience there, the duck danglers specifically, and we'll be there um, doing whatever it is we do. So if you're out and about, you know, do join us. Uh, we sit around and drink coffee and shoot dice, but not, not craps. Not with a this gun. Is, yeah. This shoot is dice. A, a non-betting game that we play That's for amusement. That's karmic. Yeah, yeah. But the um, so our program this evening has been on the idea of recognizing our spiritual growth in this lifetime. What is your life's lesson in this life? We've heard many people talk about their lessons in past lives. It seems to be very easy I would to like recognize. To just make a quick announcement sure. that um, there are three workshops online that people can, oh yes yes can, yes, uh, yes get. Uh, your language codes, a dream class from me, and opening the throat chakra. And mm -hmm. we're going to be in Parkersburg on Saturday. If anybody's out in West Virginia, come see us. That's true, too. And uh, the dreamist is out, and I've begun writing the next book, per usual. Well, yeah, uh, just uh, good. things that are cooking, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And uh, what else is going on? Been there. There's just so many things going on. I'm yeah, there's nothing going on. Mainly involved in the scripting of the new thing. The idea of recognizing yourself as a soul is a very important part of this also. We so, we, well, down here we forget. We think we're a body. We think the whole thing's material. We get the idea that our progress would be a dollar amount that we're worth, or our progress will be how many degrees we took or this or that, and that's not the progress we're talking about on this show. We're talking about events that create a more evolved us and how to become an even more evolved, to be smoother in our adaptation, to be uh, beings that are compassionate and um, all of the things we think are valuable, you know, money and, and all the tools, all the rest of this stuff, it's not. It's the, the other human beings. That's what turns out to be uh, the things of value, uh, which we catch on to or we don't. But you know, basically, uh, recognizing yourself as the progressive being in the fun experience of being incarnate as a human being. It is a fun experience. It is, yes. Um, We've had a lot of fun being experienced. It can be, but it really has so much to do with perspective, like mm -hmm. love going to work. Yeah. If you can't be where you, th if you can't love, be with the one you love, love the one you're with. Well, you can translate that to if you can't be where you wish to be, love where you are, and where you love to be will happen immediately. It's in our hands. It yeah. Really it's all in our hands. That's what no one will tell us because then we would be powerful and we would no longer be, pardon the expression, slaves. Slaves. We would be in sovereign. We would be recognizing that we're creating this. And we are. We're creating it. That's what's so 
fascinating about it in its own way. Hmm. Hmm, yes. Hmm. I see. Yes. Well, I guess this wraps up another episode of Telepathic TV, and it was our joy and honor to take you to the door, and please join us every Thursday at 8.30. We also re-air at 7.30 in the morning on Channel 10, and 10.30 on Saturday, p.m. Mm -hmm. And And on the internet anytime. Hundreds of episodes in the archives. Have a look. Thank you.